0: So hello and welcome, my name is Steve Nebel and today I'm speaking with Heather Hanson-Wickman on Escaping the Corporate Matrix. Now Heather successfully climbed the corporate ladder before experiencing her own awakening or what she calls her corporate crack. And over the course of three years she, she, she um, was on an intentional journey to align with a deeper purpose and now works closely with decision-makers supporting their own leadership evolution to build soulful and healthy organizations. She specializes in organizational change and executive coaching, and she's the author of The Evolved Executive, and her website is untetheredconsulting.com. Hi, Heather.
1: Hey, Steve. So great to be here.
0: Yeah, now, I know you've got a great uh, story around climbing the corporate ladder and then an awakening and then something else happened. So what, what happened? <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, it's still happening. So my story is very similar to yours in terms of, you know, kind of just climbing the the thing that I thought you were supposed to do, kind of the normal trajectory of you grow up, you go to school, you go to work in corporate world, and you kind of climb that ladder. And like you said in the intro, I, I just kind of cracked and I felt it coming for a, a little while, but then kept on shoving it away because I didn't really want to face the facts and the reality of... The idea that this wasn't my path and so I ended up kind of on a little bit of a whim leaving but to your question what happened next it's been a pretty crazy wild ride for the last three years and so I left And which actually catapulted my husband to quit his corporate job as well. We basically sold everything we had, including our house, and traveled to Thailand for several months just to kind of do the whole eat, pray, love, and find ourselves again. And after that, we came back to the the States and founded Untethered Consulting, which was this kind of idea that our corporate systems are so broken. Um, I think organizations can truly be one of the most powerful places for human unfolding and personal growth and they're designed completely backwards and so my purpose has really been how do we create organizations that are really rooted in love and not fear and working with leaders who resonate and align with that belief in the first place
0: yeah now when I worked in the corporate world I really felt that some people seemed to love it and I, <laughs> I wasn't one of those people that really absolutely loved it ever you know I don't remember ever having one day where I go I absolutely love being here but I do think <laughs> some people do love it do you find that some people are really just not suited for that life yes yeah. absolutely you know
1: and the interesting thing was um I I found a way to help myself believe that I loved it uh, because i I created this vision of myself that, you know, was climbing this ladder and was in this position. And so I loved the climb of thinking that I was doing what I should be doing until you kind of wake up to a different part of yourself that's like, oh my God, Heather, this is not what you want to do. And this is not serving your highest purpose. And so for me, I can experience that idea of like, I thought I loved it. But when I actually unpeeled the layers back, I absolutely didn't. But I do work and I did work with individuals that are very much aligned to, at least here in the U.S., kind of that competitive nature that we see in most organizations that kind of eat what you kill, you're in for yourself kind of thing, and they thrive in that environment. And not good or bad, I think it's just kind of their level of development or kind of where they're at in their own evolution. But, um, yes, I would agree. Some people, it's spot on, and some people are in this wavering place of, I like it, but it doesn't feel like it fits and then there's folks like me who kind of crack and are like there's no way i can do it
0: yeah well there's a certain amount of benefits for remaining in the corporate world for those who are doing it there's um, a certain amount of money i suppose you can make i mean when i worked in finance i saw people making ridiculous amounts of money you know bonuses and buying porsches and uh second apart third apartments and all that kind of thing there's status there's i suppose there has been a certain amount of certainty and safety in organizations or at least there has been that may be changing to some extent so it's a lot to give up isn't it considering to leave you're giving up a lot
1: you know I think there is the perception that you're giving up a lot Um, and from my own experience I had the perception that it was safe and that there was security there and that you know I would always be on this path and that someone was taking care of me in a way financially or whatever it would be and after coming out of it um, and, you know, having several years to kind of reflect on that experience, it's it feels like it's just a giant illusion. Yeah. <laughs> and so when I work with, you know, individuals right now maybe going through a similar transition, it's about helping people see that you know, it's perceived security. You could be fired tomorrow. Your organization could go bankrupt next week, whatever it might be. And the, uh, the power and the status and the money, um, again, feels like just a little bit of a, an ego illusion. And when you can find something that resonates a little bit more at a core level, it feels like there's so much more reward.
0: Well, of course, there are problems of working in the corporate matrix, there, well, certainly when I was there, and, and uh, I imagine it's still the case, maybe even more. There was stress, there was pressure, there was deadlines, <laughs> there was poor leadership. That's a nice way of putting it, poor leadership. Yeah, there, that was, is. <laughs> <laughs> there was working in an environment which I had no passion for. There was feeling a yeah. small cog in a big machine. There's, of course, commuting, which is a big issue for a lot of people. Yeah. So this is why a lot of people are just feeling squeezed out, I imagine. Yeah,
1: you know, and I don't want to make the folks that love this work make it sound so terrible, but when I reflect on it and some of the research that I've done in this space is right now organizations are are making people sick in so many ways, and there's a recent book out called Dying for a Paycheck, and you'll see references to it on my website if you're interested, but this idea that we are working ourselves to death and very literally, so some of the stats that the author highlights there is, many workplaces are as harmful as secondhand smoke. Um, and the one that's really interesting, well, two that are super interesting, one, but according to the Mayo Clinic, which is a huge healthcare system here in the U.S., the person that you report to at work is more important for your health than your family doctor, which is just a crazy, scary idea when you think about it yeah. in terms of you know, you, do, you try to do things for your health in terms of eating well, but when the end of the day comes and your boss has a big impact on your overall health and well-being, um, it makes you kind of rethink your job. Um, and the last one that's crazy is over half of employees trust strangers more than their boss.
0: Yeah, amazing, isn't it? I've got 58% of employees trust strangers more than their boss. That's quite staggering.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it just uh, highlights just You know, it doesn't sound nice, but I I think about organizations as traditional, common organizations as almost like this soul sucking machine. Mm. Like it it just kind of sucks the life out of us. And if we go to work every day and spend the majority of our lives in a team environment where we don't trust the people around us and our health is continually sacrificed, we are doing something dramatically wrong.
0: Yeah, for sure. And the other one, which is quite shocking, I thought that 79% of people who quit their, their jobs cite lack of appreciation as their reason for leaving. That's (laughs) quite something, isn't it? Lack of appreciation. So actually, appreciation is a big factor in work. Oh, it's huge.
1: It's huge. I, I was working with a client that over the new year I was chatting with and recently in 2018 left her corporate job and started working on her own. And she said, you know, the most surprising thing was someone said, thank you. I was like, how appalling is that? She went years in her career, and the first thing she notices when she jumps out and works with clients individually is that people say thank you.
0: Yeah. Well, you you also, I noticed on your website, you quote David White. I've met David White a couple of times in London and been to a few of his talks. Crossing the Unknown Sea is one of my favorite books. Oh, mine as well. And he says, so you've got it on your website, work is not a static endpoint or a mere exercising providing, but a journey and a pilgrimage in which Mm -hmm. core elements of our being are tested in the world. Isn't that amazing? Do you want to say something about that? Because work is not just about a paycheck, is it? Core Mm -hmm. elements of our being being tested in the world, or even considering work as a pilgrimage.
1: Oh, my God. So David White is one that I just cherished. I read that book almost every year. And I think, um, and I read it early in my career, and I think that, statement in that book really set me on a path of believing that work could be something different. And, you know, I think we're looking to work to create, to provide not just income in terms of a paycheck, like you said, but um, so many different types of income, whether it be fulfillment, meaning, connection, belonging, development, growth, awakening. And, you know, the leaders that are going to be successful are going to be the ones that create environments that tap into that type of intangible benefit to work. And so I think there is a huge opportunity for us to create organizations in a way that David White describes that allows us to find ourselves and recreate ourselves and kind of awaken to ourselves through our work because we're testing and we're growing and we're stretching
0: well, for me, I came across this term inner potential some years ago in the 90s, and I was like, what is that inner potential? But then I, when I got got into it, I realized that having left the corporate world, I realized that there was things I could do that I would never have been able to do in the corporate world, such as um, write books or create websites or mm-hmm. um, present or do public speaking or facilitate workshops or run an organization I was running a non-for-profit while I was working in the city essentially I was kind of paper shuffling really it was money but it's right. essentially paper shuffling none of that would ever come out there was no create for some people the corporate world of course may meet their values, but for me I had when I did a values test it was spirituality, creativity, freedom and growth. And I wasn't getting any of that in the in that world. Yeah. So of course if you're not getting it in the environment, you have a choice, which is of course you can pressurise your boss and try for a promotion. But there's also <laughs> leaving yeah. <laughs> Which is the scary option, isn't it? It's the scary option.
1: It's a much more daunting option, correct?
0: Yeah. So let's say someone, they, they've been in the corporate world, like you, like me, and they go, you know what, I have to get out. And they're in that crossroads place, you know, the place of contemplating, mm-hmm. and they're thinking about it. I mean, for yeah. some people, I think they think about it for years, and some people, it just takes <laughs> months. Yeah. <laughs> what would you say to someone who's in that space of thinking about it? Yeah.
1: I would say ask for some help, and that was one thing that I didn't do soon enough. So I probably contemplated in that space for years, so probably two years, and did it all in my own head and didn't seek out people outside of my my kind of circle within work. And obviously, the the folks within work are going to kind of convince you to stay and can convince you to keep pushing, and it's going to get better. And what you really need is maybe an outside perspective and also. The other thing that I would say, which is the hardest thing, because it's the hardest thing for me, is trust. There was this this voice within me that, you know, was repeating and I was begging to, to you know what you need to do. You just need to leave and we will create the path. And that was something that in my analytic kind of programmed mind, I couldn't grasp. I just couldn't grasp right away until I finally just kind of cracked and it and it kind of set the path in motion. But... Looking back, I would say those two two things is ask for help and then find whatever you can do to to trust yourself and trust that inner voice
0: I think that's very important, isn't it if we, we're trained in left brain thinking and suddenly we're we're being presented with a, an inner guidance intuition heart impulse, yeah. and, and our tendency probably is to squash it we're trained to go <laughs> uh I, I know when I was leaving the corporate world and i had I, I just kind of asked for a sign and the sign the question was should I resign and then I got the sign the Nike sign just do it (laughs) and my mind immediately went that's crazy you can't (laughs) because of a t-shirt you are not leaving your job and I remember the voice going so eventually I did I did resign within 24 hours I think and uh, because I saw the same (laughs) sign again and I thought well I've asked the question it is hard for people who are very rational to trust it may be easier for people who are a bit more right brain or perhaps people who have done some spiritual work would you say? Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And folks that have some knowing of that inner voice to begin with, so they don't think that they're crazy in their head. And so for me, that I was at a point in my own kind of spirituality that I just thought that was crazy, irrational thinking. And this voice was just me kind of losing myself or kind of, you know, going crazy. So I didn't have the kind of the spiritual acumen to really trust it. So I think you're absolutely right. You know, people that have or people who are more in touch with that that inner sense and that connection to something larger than themselves, I think have a little easier path of trust, or at least that's my hope.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think having some self-awareness is really important. I mean, on your website, you've got a blog post called The Minion Revolt, and minions being those lovely, despicable me, yellow yes. characters, but you yeah. you think of them as these kind of sub-personality uh, energies and um, of course we all have these different sub-personalities some of us are driving forward you know very <laughs> as you mentioned is competitive some of us are more introverted some rebellious some conforming we have all these different energies inside of us yeah well when we contemplate leaving the corporate world, it's a big choice some parts of us may celebrate yay it lasts some yeah. parts of us may not was this yeah. your experience
1: <laughs> this is absolutely my experience and you know the way for me to have some kind of levity throughout this was to think of them as minions and so that that made it more fun and literally I could begin to feel you know those those minions that were fighting me that were saying this is a terrible move what are you going to do you're destroying your career you're going to be broke you're going to be living with your mom you're (laughs) all these kind of things that were the really loud minions and I come to find out that those were the personalities or citizens in my universe that were just um given more airtime. And so it began to kind of unleash this idea that I need to give center stage to parts of the minions, parts of me that haven't been seen very much. So, you know, the, the risk taker, the, the rebel, the activist, the advocate that wants to do something different in the world. And so it's been this incredible journey of Getting to know other parts of my personality, other minions, and deciding very intentionally and purposefully, okay, who's coming to the table today to do the work that I need to do today? And, you know, when I can feel the minions that are holding me back or creating a lot of fear, I can kind of do a timeout today and be like, okay, I love you, but it's time to take a spa day. You need to go away right now and do something and make a different choice.
0: Yeah. I guess for anyone contemplating such a big decision, fear is going to be one of the main factors. Fear of the unknown. Yeah. And there could be fear around money. There could be fear around what my family might say. Or I know when I was con- when I um, made the step, my fear was I'm going to be homeless. <laughs> this was my fear. And I even went and found a spot and looked. If I'm homeless, <laughs> this is where I'm going to sleep. It was a nice, oh. nice uh, nature place. So. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think there's a value in, in becoming more conscious of our fears and embracing them rather than trying to push them away? I mean, obviously, we don't want to be immersed in fear. Sometimes we just have to take time out. But do you think sometimes we have to kind of go, what is this fear real?
1: Yes. So in my experience, the only way for me to kind of loosen the grip of fear is understand where it's coming from. And to your point, I've gotten into situations where I've dwelled in that fear too long where it's it, it doesn't serve me anymore um but for me the homelessness was absolutely a fear like oh my god what am i going to do i don't have a regular paycheck where am i going to live all this kind of stuff and even today i still have fears as it relates to you know the ebbs of flows and client and work and all these kind of things but i i can i can hang with fear a little bit differently today and it's a different relationship in terms of it's no longer this dreaded heavy feeling that gets me into a place of strategizing action all these type of things it's more a reflective place around what is this teaching me you know what is it? what's belief here that I need to work with to be able to kind of get back to a place of joy and comfort and trust and so I think there is many different techniques and I know that you work with this stuff as well in terms of how to look at fear a little bit differently and to embody it's teaching in a way that um, is healthy and good for us.
0: What about the question of timing? You know, okay, I'm, I've am i decided I'm leaving. For some people, there's still a question of timing, I found, that um, for some it's like instant and so they could do a leap of faith. And for yeah. others, it needs to be more planned and more, you know, steps in place. Do you find that?
1: Yeah. You know, in I, I tend to work more with senior executives within organizations, so individuals that have been with uh, an organization for a long time or at least been climbing the ladder for a long time. And the longer that they've been there, um, the less likely I've seen people to take a leap. It tends to be um, a really big struggle in terms of having to find the strategy and the path and how am I going to do this and what are my, you know, going through all those fears. And so it seems to be this practice of unlearning. And so um, it takes time to be able to shed the idea of my value is related to my title. Or the only way I'm going to make money is by this organization. So it tends to, from a timing perspective, I think my my experience has been we, we have to unlearn a lot of the programming that has got us to where we are
0: to get us to a different place. And that tends to take you know months to years. And another aspect of this I found on my journey is moving from one mindset to another, which was An employee mindset where you know I can make decisions, I can lead people, whatever, but I'm still getting that paycheck. It's the the mothership is is feeding me, you know, and then I leave, and suddenly whether I'm a freelancer, an entrepreneur, a sole trader going into the partnership whatever I'm suddenly responsible for generating my my path my livelihood the, the opportunity yeah. I'm responsible for all of it and rather yeah. than well Bob's going to take care of that and I can do this <laughs> and Jane over there will take care of that suddenly you might be a one man band you may have people you can work with you may outsource things of course but yeah. it's, a, it's a different mindset have you not found it I-
1: it's a sneaky mindset because it seems like um, you can see other people doing it, and it's like, oh, that looks easy. Like I could do that. I could be a, you know, an author, a XYZ, an entrepreneur, a coach, a consultant, and and then when you get into that, it is um, the, the those two. I think dichotomous mindsets kind of smack you upside the head. <laughs> yeah. because you you are the the one-man show. You're the accountant, the IT person, the <laughs> social media person, the, the content, the spiritual director, all of these things in one. Um, and I think there is a mindset, for me at least, that was from a, I would say, kind of a fixed to a growth mindset. So this idea of, you know, Um, I've got this plan, and if it doesn't work, I'm I'm a failure, and all these kind of things, too. The growth mindset, that's, I'm going to try, and I'm going to learn, and I'm going to see how it goes. And I think there was a huge switch for me in that space when I said,
0: it's not failure, it's learning. I'm going to figure it out. I'm not going to be perfect the first time around. I know, I mean, I, I used to joke with friends that if I was kind of a singer at a rock concert, I'm the singer on stage, and I'm the guy selling the t-shirts, and I'm the guy <laughs> flipping the veggie burgers. I, and people have said to me, how many people on your team? And I'm like, it's just me. I'm the one interviewing, <laughs> editing, doing the social media, you know, it's just yeah. me. That doesn't mean that I don't ask for help. And it's important not to do it all ourselves, because uh, there are certain things in terms of IT or design I can't do. So we But now we're living in a different world where we can outsource very easily. There are lots of websites where you can get things designed or little voiceovers. There's all kinds of things now. So we don't have to do it all ourselves, do we?
1: We don't. And I think that's an interesting point from the asking for help and one that I stumbled with a lot in terms of… I always, I think I was grow, brought up in a environment where asking for help looked like weakness. Like, you couldn't then do it. Um, and instead, throughout this process, I've realized that asking for help is not only freeing from from my own soul perspective, but it also gives another person the opportunity to contribute and to add value. And, you know, I got some wonderful feedback from a colleague that was if you don't ask for help, I can't help you. And it actually makes me feel good to help you. And that was very simple, but this huge awakening to the idea of like, it's selfish almost for me not to ask for help because someone else has a gift out there that's not being able to be utilized. And I don't say that from a super like selfish perspective, like I ask for help and don't do anything on my own. But it's, um was really awakening to the idea that asking for help can be a a, a huge element of creating community and creating a connection and belonging with people all around
0: you yeah that's wonderful heather well heather it's amazing thank you so much for chatting with me and i just remind people your website is dot com, and your book is the evolved executive people want to buy that do check out heather's website and thanks heather for chatting uh
1: thanks to you so much i really appreciate the opportunity